Welcome to Stuck In My Mind Podcast, the show where we dive into the mind of a regular guy on his road to self-discovery. You'll hear everyday people just like you share the latest topics, personal stories, and things they've learned along the way. And now, please welcome your host, Wise. It's your boy, W-I-Z-E, and today's show is sponsored by Bergen Basin Realty. If you're looking to sell anywhere in the New York City area, definitely check them out. Bergen Basin Realty has been providing professional real estate services in the Brooklyn area for over 40 years. They have an impeccable reputation built on honesty, integrity, and service. Bergen Basin Realty's influences stretches far beyond Bergen Beach. Their comprehensive network of referral systems, professional affiliations, and solid internet marketing strategies consistently drive traffic to all their listings. So check out their website at www.bergenbasin.com. Give them a call at 718-763-4110 or send them an email at bergenbasin at aol.com and let them know that your boy Y sent you. Peace out. And welcome to another episode. I am your host, W-I-Z-E-Wise, and I have a very special guest. She is an activist, a mompreneur, and now officially an author. Welcome to the show, Sonia Lewis. Hey, little Sonia. Oh, hello. Thank you so much for having me on and this opportunity just to share and be in space and energy with folks. Awesome. So you're officially an author. Tell us about that. Ooh, so I have, I'm one of those um, people who in my mind, I, I have these great things that circle around and I probably have started over the years, probably over the past 20 years have started like five or six or maybe even 10 books. And I was really challenged by um, a friend who was like, I need you to get one of these books done. And so um, I've been doing a lot of equity work. And one of the questions that people have um, been asking asking me lately has to do with um, an experience, or I should say a decision that I made when I was seven years old um, to not say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, And so I turned that story into a children's book about courage, and it is officially my first book, and I'm so super excited about it. That is awesome. Like, have you you always wanted to be an author, or is this just something that you just felt No, I've always wanted to be an author. I probably started writing my first book um, probably like at age 18, 19. I'm 50 now, so you do the math. It's been sitting on, you know, different computers. It's been transferred from one computer to another. Um, But yeah, I've always wanted to be an author. Um, My favorite author is Maya Angelou, rest her her soul. And um, just taking from you know, other black women who have come before me to tell the stories of our lived experiences that sometimes get erased and um, commodified and marginalized. So I've always wanted to be an author. I'm, I'm glad that I finally arrived, though. It, that's awesome. Like you just that's you're just in proof that doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter when you. Absolutely. You can get it done. There's there's no there's no limits to what you can do. And. And that's that's great. Like me, I just I'll be turning forty five this year, 
and and I started my podcast last year, and 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 I've my wife had easily been like, "Hey, dude, you're gonna be 45. What are you thinking starting a What do you think right. starting a podcast like?" But she she sees how much I enjoy it, how much how much I'm I'm very passionate about it, and the time and effort I put into it. She's very supportive. She's like, "Go ahead, do it. Go yeah. do what you got to do." Yeah, so absolutely. It, so it's it's a blessing that I've I've I have someone that's pushing me and and accepting what I'm willing accepting what I want to do. So absolutely, support is everything. Support is everything because if folks who are in your life are not supporting you, oftentimes they are um, they are stealing from you. They are I call them joy robbers. They are the the naysayers. They don't see your vision. And while it's not their job to necessarily see your vision or see your vision through, it's important to be supportive. And so I, I tell people all the time, watch the folks and the energy that you have around you, especially if you are a creative mind and you're trying to create something that is going to um, impact um, yourself, your your life, your family's lives, your community's life, right? Um, because if you have naysayers in your um, immediate circle, they, you can feel like the, the zap of life being stolen from your body on a continuous basis. And um, Joy Roberts and me, I have gotten to a place in life where uh, I used to have these conversations with even loved ones, right? Family members and say, look, this is a decision that I'm making for my life. And either you're going to support it or you're not going to say anything that's negative because the, the two, you know, can't be at the same time. And critique is different from not supporting. Critique is, okay, this was good and you can do this better. That's critique, right? But when we're talking about people who are just naysayers and they just are like, that's not going to work or you need to be doing something else. I, I can remember maybe when I started my business 10 years ago um, that there were people who were family members, loved ones that I have in my inter circle who were like, you're too brilliant to, you know, be settling for a business that's not going anywhere. We need you to get a real job. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's not real about, you know, the impact that I'm making in people's lives. So we have to be very intentional about the people that we bring into our space and our energy. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Cause since started my podcast and, and, and focused more on pre on creating positive content, the people that I've attracted in my life have been amazing. The energy that I put out right. is attracting the people that that I want to talk to, the people that I want to learn and grow from, learn and grow, and and that's just that's just me switching my mindset from when I first started my podcast. It was me ranting and, and being negative and focusing on media media based lies and all that. To where when I started focusing on interviewing people. And discussing positive topics and putting out positive content, the energy was so much better. The 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 oh, the, wow. the, the, the my show went from being okay to so so to the numbers going up and just the fact that that like the energy like I said that once I started putting out that that kind of energy that I wanted people to come on and speak about whatever life lessons they have or sharing the stories of becoming an entrepreneur or whatever. I've had celebrities, I've had regular people and just the fact that they come on and share their story. And if someone, one person can take something from 
that episode, I'm happy. Like, I feel so amazed. I feel like so blessed that I I was able to just touch one person that just makes me want to keep doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing. Just energy and space and time and, you know, dreaming. I I don't think that we even live in an age, especially um, for black and brown and marginalized folks to even feel like we have permission or opportunity to, to dream and pursue dreams. Right. And so we are, we are, the, we are, our throats are shoved with down with our whole bodies are, are shoved down with, this is like the prescription and you're supposed to do this in order to be seen as successful and go and get an education or go and get this nine to five. And, and it really handicaps people's ability to be creative and live from the heart. And then, you know, we know that doing this work, that's the connection piece, right? How are we actually connecting with people? Maya Angelou had a saying, a quote, um, and I don't remember the exact quote, but she said that people will remember how you made them feel, not what you said. And so I live by that. Like, what was that experience that we had? Did we go away from that? You know, it, it doesn't always have to be the ooh, warm and gooey's on the inside, but did we go away feeling like, you know, something was accomplished or that our hearts had a connection I think it's way more important than you know celebrity status and um and salary and and what those the things right um because those things come and go yeah and then it's nothing more it's it's the energy it's just the the energy I feel when I do something that positive that's positive and and something that right that's not just done because you want to gain status or you're doing it for the clicks or you're doing it for the downloads. No, it's when you, when you do it from your authentic self, from, from within, from truly from who you're being, it's just the most amazing feeling. And I just want to continue to, I just want to continue to have that feeling. So that's why I continue to do what I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, like I said, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that I, you know, um, have found some spaces where folks feel like, um, I have something to bring to, um, a conversation and that they feel like, um, what my life experiences have been and, and the work that I do, um, may be able to help someone else. Um, because that's always part of, um, my mission. I, I, I can't remember a time in my life where I did not um, see inequities and want to do something about it. And so that's just who I am at the core. And I wish and I, I really, truly believe that all of us are that way at the core. We've just been conditioned to suppress it. And so I think that if more people see um, themselves as humanitarians, themselves as being able to impact and affect um, people's lives in a positive way and step outside of themselves and step outside of their own way sometimes, um, they will see the impact more readily than just saying, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow or, oh, I've done my charity you know, duty or job for um, the week, the month, the year, you know, that kind of thing. And just be willing to be a vessel that gives. I mean, as long as we have, we are in a position of pouring into, as long as we are in a position where people are in need, we should be as humans willing to pour into that need. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That's, it's, it's for me, 
because then when I after after starting the podcast, I was like, <clears throat> you know what? It, it made me. I started. I started my own business. I, I launched a production company. Um, I purchased an internet radio station. I'm I'm about to to launch that, and and all that came from me wanting to just give people an opportunity to be creative and and be able to voice their opinions and talk, and put out creative content without having to worry about right. being censored, being taken off of YouTube, being taken off of Facebook. Because they can do that. I want to give people that voice, Absolutely. that opportunity where, no, it's it's my it's my radio station. There's no it's, since it's internet radio station. There's no FCC guidelines. There's, and if so, if you want to really speak your your what you feel is your opinion and your truth, go ahead. I, I don't judge anyone by what they by what they. That's what that's what's so great about this country. You have that right yeah. to feel how you, your opinion, that's you, that's whatever, that's you. I just want people to just be able to speak up and and not be shut down when they're seeing just the, just the injustices that are, that are going on. So, right. like I said, I just want to be able to give people that platform and not be shut down. Yeah. I think that's dope. I mean, we don't, I mean, the, the fortunate part about being in this country is that the resources are there, right? So if you have an opportunity to like buy a radio station and put out content and then invite people on to make sure that their voices are lifted, that's equity. And at the end of the day, we're talking about, you know, the folks who are on the margins of the margins who don't have that as an outlet or resource. And then, so where do they go with that energy? Um, I, I'm in so many spaces in my local area here in California where I'm on teams or in organizations doing work on the ground, um, you know, with grassroots efforts where it's like, okay, why don't we have access to this? And if we continue to ask the same questions and if we continue to show up at the same elected official meetings, if we continue to show up um, and demand something different from those influencers that are in our local areas, um, they will begin to hear. And so I try to, um, as often as possible, use my voice and use my privilege for those who um, are on the margins of margins who don't feel comfortable in this moment. Because my always my goal is to, once I'm you know speaking up for or channeling the energy of an issue that's impacting people who are on the margins of the margin, it's my hope at the end of the day that they feel confident in, in being the center of, of that conversation and then leading that conversation, right? Um, because we have to include impacted people in these conversations. I cannot do my work around equity equity. Um, if I don't look at an organization and say, find out who is the most impacted when it comes to disparities, who is the person who's, you know, at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to pay, who um, is not being recognized or promoted, right? And so if we're going to talk about equity, we have to get to the root of who's being left out of the conversation so that they feel like they belong in those conversations. Agency is so super important. Voice is so super important. And if you don't have people who are showing up in those conversations that are going to advocate on behalf of others, the others will never feel like they belong. Yeah, absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's just with so much division in this country right now, 
it just like you it blows your it blows my mind like just with what happened within the past year with the George Floyd and all that and everything else but we, we I feel like in a way after Dr. King and, and Malcolm and all these these leaders that we kind of got complacent we kind of were happy with what the crumbs that we received and we right. didn't we didn't press forward and and I feel right. that that was kind of my generation's fault. I'm I'm forty. I'll be forty. Like I said, I'll be forty five. And, and I feel that yeah, we we did. We got we got we got happy with what they were giving us. We got we got blinded right. by by bling bling and and all this other nonsense and everything else that distracted us from what is going on now. That to the explosion that is happening now with all the activism yeah. that's going on and. I, again, I, I feel like my generation kind of dropped the ball on that. And yeah. so, but that's just how I feel. That's just my opinion. I'm not, right. so. Right. I would offer this. Um, I have conversations with folks from, from a variety of generations. Um, I think that you and I are probably in the same generation. My parents feel that they dropped the ball. Like, Growing up in the 70s and 80s, that that was the era where I felt like I was, you know, seeing the world for what it was. And um, my parents still like and, and I have these conversations with, you know, my my elders, my aunties and uncles and those people in communities that in that we see as elders. Right. And those folks who are, you know, 60 and above are looking at themselves like once we got in the door and once we got access to jobs and once they were promoting some of us, we felt like we had arrived, right? And the backlash of that is, to a certain degree, individuals like yourself and myself, we grew up with more opportunity than our parents did, and we probably took it for granted. And, and so I, I definitely can agree with you in the sense that, you know, what did we do with that opportunity, right? But if I didn't, if we didn't know, if our if our parents didn't instill in us the importance of why King and Malcolm were murdered in the first place, like it, had I not learned some things on my own, it, it was not readily talked about in my household, right? And so when I think about people who are are, are of our age, we are oftentimes like, okay, yeah, that's true, but. You know, that wasn't our struggle. And so, but our struggle continued to be things around race. And so I I don't know anyone in our generation who, when they went to school, didn't feel um, a, a, a time where racism didn't happen. Like, especially if you lived in an urban setting. Um, and you saw one school on one side of the town that had all the stuff. And then a school on another side of the town that had none of the stuff, right? So I went to a high school in Sacramento, California, and it was considered the, the worst school in our district, in our city. And we would often, our, one of our biggest rivals, they, their school was literally on the same street but on the other side of town, it was, it's one of the longest um, streets in our town. And so this was in a more affluent neighborhood and you know, the kids that went there, we would look at them at, you know, games and things and, and, and interactions between school. And we would be like, we the same. Remember that we the same. So if something go down, we the same. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to look at us the same. And while I think that some of that headway was, you know, 
really took a, a good toll on and, and put us in a good position to work together. There were individuals in the group that would be like, I, I'm not working with those bougie, you know, those bougie Negroes over there, right? And, and and vice versa, I'm not working with those ghetto folks over there. And so we 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 shoot ourselves in the foot when we don't come together and see the similarity in just this, right? Or for women, you know, we women, let's get together. Or you as a man, you know, let's, you all getting together, right? Or if it's our LBGTQ um um, community members, them getting together, but not re- not dismissing the fact that when we all come together because of this, what power that does instead of alienating alienating certain groups within our group. And so I think that that's super important to realize as well. And times have changed. I mean, I'm so glad that times have changed, or we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing today. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. And it, it's me and my nephew always talk about this. Is like. If we were to just come together, just stop breaking up into groups. Stop. Just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your sexual orientation, nothing. If we were just to, to just come together as one, it would be amazing. But they want to separate us. They want to separate us. They want us to be the LBQ, whatever. They want us to be this over here. They they want us separated because it's easier to conquer us that easier. way. Easier. Yeah. Much more easier to conquer us that way. Whereas if we just formed one union, one group all together, everyone together, it would just be it would be a tidal wave and it would be too much for them. Yeah. Yeah. I you know since George Floyd took place, you know, it was very interesting. Now, I, I also always re- mention when I'm having these kind of conversations because people oftentimes go and look at my my history and they look at me like, oh, my God, we we might not should have had her, you know, leading a conversation. I am one of the former members of Black Lives Matter here in um, California in the, my Sacramento chapter as well as, um, as well as here at the state level. And so it was interesting when George Floyd happened that a lot of the energy around folks being in the street who didn't necessarily look like us, right? Those allies coming out of the woodwork. And I'm, you know, looking at my comrades, like, where are these people been? Because I can name you at least 10 folks that have been killed by police in our local area. And I'm sure every state around this country can do the same when there are people on the ground and they're like, Okay, so what was different about George? And and there were some glaring differences, right? There were the glaring difference of he was handcuffed. He was on the ground. He was not resisting. And you had people who were innocent bystanders who were videoing from beginning to end. There was so much footage in the store, out of the store, body cam footage, dash cam footage. And you had this this calling out of people from um, different walks of life who were like, this is not right. And so I think that that is something that's different across the board from a lot of these cases. But it still doesn't, you know, make me feel any better knowing that I've put my life on the line and all of the years and energy that I have spent fighting for the lives of people who are no longer with us in my local area. Right. So what made George different? And while I'm glad that there were people who are from different walks of life and different cultures and ethnicities who joined us in the fight, 
look at the outcome almost a year later when we're talking about the collision of two pandemics, racism and COVID. And now you have things like Asian hate that's taking place in our in our country. And the media does what it does to make it seem like the attacks are coming from the black community because that's all the images that they're willing to put out there. But what the studies show, what the data says is that less than 5% of the attacks on Asian are even per- perpetrated by black folks. But it's so funny. that's a fallacy. No, but but it's funny. Thing. Every single video that they show, it's someone of color attacking an Asian. It's and it. I say yep. it all the time. Yeah. I, every time I speak to my, my, my nephew, I'm like, yo, listen, why is it every time they're showing it's someone of color attacking? I mean, that makes no sense to me. It's like, oh, so it's just, yeah, it, it's, it, it, with me, it was it was the um, t- like with the Naomi Osaka um situation. Yeah, the New York Post, which I do not, is they're horrible. They bring up an article and goes, "Oh yeah, Naomi Osaka is resting in her seven million dollar home." Like, okay, what is what? Is, so they're already trying to turn people against this young lady by saying, "Oh, she's resting in a seven million dollar home." How can she be? How can she have mental issues? I didn't read the article. It was just the title alone told me where they were going with that story. Absolutely. Just the title alone told me where they were going with that story as far as where they wanted to drive the people to. They wanted to drive the people to to not have sympathy for this young lady. They wanted them to be like, oh, she lives in a seven minute. And that's what the average person is going to think. But someone, right. but someone like me who knows the who knows what they're trying to do, and I'm gonna speak about it, and I'm gonna let people know this. This, this is Absolutely. what they're truly trying to do. They're trying to make you not feel any sympathy for this young lady by saying she owns a seven. She worked hard for that. Absolutely. She she played ten. She, she deserved every everything she did. She she worked. She bought. She she worked for. That's why are you gonna why are you gonna vilify that now? Because she's having mental health issues. And you're not, ha- and you're not, and you're not happy with that. You want to? It's just, it's crazy. It's just ridiculous. Like this girl really has problems. It's, and I, and I, and I saw, and I, I saw the, I saw that match with Serena Williams that that they're talking about. And for someone so young to be booed after you win one of the biggest championships of your life, yes, that's traumatizing. That's. That 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 messes with someone's head. That. Even to after when you're you're receiving your, your your trophy to have people boo you. Yeah, you don't play for that. Yeah. You, you you. So is is and and again I speak I I keep bringing it up because I want that I wanted to, wanted to be known that this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to make yeah. make this girl a bad guy. Yeah. And And the reality of it is the reality is that over the history of this country, um, it has been the continuous trying to make black women in particular feel bad for where they endeavor and where they draw the line. Right. Okay. so you will you will take my labor. You will steal my genius. You will co-opt my culture. You will tell me that my doing it is not good enough and then take it in and make it your own and, and make profits and millions off of it. And, and, you know, I always mention you know, the Kardashian empire 
they have stolen black culture, period, um, and, and made millions off of it, right? And so you, but you will take my my genius, and then you will make me the bad person. And I, what, where I am so extremely proud um, about this young lady in particular is the fact that she's so young and she figured it out sooner than a lot of us other, you know, women, black folks, marginalized folks, poor folks didn't figure it out. I mean, just think about it to the degree of setting standards and expectations for yourself and saying, these are my boundaries. This is what I'm not going to do, right? You don't want to give me a break because I'm telling you that I'm having mental health issues. Fine. I've made enough coins. I got them in the bank and I'm going to take off a whole year. Let's see how well your program, your organization does without me and my brilliance, right? What happens when I remove my genius from the equation of who you are making millions off of me? And I've been saying this for many years when it comes to athletes, period. Imagine if um, black athletes, instead of going to these white Ivy Leagues, these PWIs um, for college, they went to historically black colleges and how much money would go into historically black colleges, right? Imagine if they removed themselves from that equation and brought the money back into their community. And, and I think that there are some athletes today. Master P's son, I believe, is going to historically black college. Denzel Washington's son went to a historically black college. So I think that there's a movement that people are now beginning to realize, oh, if we take the money away from these PWIs and put it into schools that were built for because they said that we could, there was once upon a time where we could even be there, Imagine how those schools and institutions and how the media would then gravitate, gravitate towards those institutions. And so I, I am extremely proud of Naomi and making the decision and saying, this is what my boundary is. And I've worked hard for this and you can't take that away from me. That's where we have to be. That's our power. That's our collective, you know, power. If we do that, if we rinse and repeat, right? Okay, she did it. I can do that too. That's the courage, you know, that she's allowing for other people to, you know, take that stance as well. Yeah. And that's why um, last year I was, when the NBA returned from their, their shutdown and they were playing in the bubble, and then everybody decided to kneel. I wasn't happy with that because I felt no. I felt that when Colin Kaepernick did it, and everybody made him the enemy. None of you spoke right. up. None of you. All of you right. should have stopped playing. Everyone. Every every player. Every player of color should have just been like, "Yo, you don't want to give this man a job? Screw it. We're not going to play." What they're going to do? Right. What, what are they going to do? do? What are they going to do? <laughs> if it were one game, right? If it was one game, they would not have been able to continue any of their seasons on in, in any major league um, sports sport. arena. Yeah, if, they, if they were to just walk to... away, if they were to just walk away, they, you know what? We're not going to play. What are they, they going to do? They, they, right. They're going to they're going to they're going to try to get these players back. What do you want? What do you tell us? What do you want? Yeah. But nobody did it. It's amazing. 
it's amazing when we see, you know, I, I, I'm from California. I am a diehard, all my life 49er fan. And I will tell you, since Cap took a knee, I have not watched. I, I, I used to, I mean, Sunday mornings, it would be like when, when cell phones came out and, and I could be in church and have my cell phone, you know, to keep score of the game. I was that kind of chick. I was a diehard 49er fan. But when Cap took that knee and he um, was vilified forward I said I'm done with the NFL I'm done I'm done with organized sports and giving them my attention and giving them my dollars because I recognize the economic power that we have as a community and there's no way that these organizations can continue to exist without us like the black dollar is extremely powerful and I think that there are more people realizing that in in little pockets all over this country right you can go to Philly you can go to New York, you can go to Atlanta, um, you can come here to Sacramento or Oakland or LA in California, and, and that any there are places all over this country where there are pockets of Black folks who have figured out that cooperative economics is really and truly a powerful thing. Um, it's now getting us folks in those upper echelons of organizations to now realize those things. And I, I'm seeing some change now. And so I always go back to my work as an equity, you know, worker, my business is that I go into organizations and I assess where, what are you doing to make sure that everyone belongs? Right. And then as we have these conversations and as I bring forth trainings to your entire team, and I, I, I preference it by saying, look, every day that I show up in this space, I am a dark skinned black woman who has had impacts, negative traumatic impacts because I'm a dark skinned black woman. But because I have a degree and I have a husband and I live in a certain neighborhood and I've been afforded these certain privileges, I can come before you. But I'm telling you that because I'm a dark skinned black woman, you need to be looking for what the plight is of dark-skinned black women in your spaces. And oftentimes, because white folks don't understand um, their privilege, the response is, why do you want to blame and shame me for something that my ancestors did? And so, you know, we have to have these conversations about this isn't about you, the individual. This is about a system that you benefit from. And because you benefit from it, you need to take that benefit and then transfer that benefit to people who have never had that benefit. And so that's what I see in this moment is that, you know, athletes and, and, and so it's something to be said about why didn't you do it back then and support Kaepernick. But it, it's, it's also another um, thing to say, if y'all going to continue to do this. Do you see how we have taken the money away from your organization? We can really impact the way they do business. Yeah. 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 The, the athletes right now are, to me, they, they, they can play a big role in this because Absolutely. It, 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 we live, we live in a capitalistic society. So once you start affecting yeah. their money, they're going to be like, no, 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 no. We got to fix this. We got to correct this. So once yeah. you start affecting their money, they'll, they'll come to the table. They, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll come yeah. to the table and, and and that's what and that's what that's what it, it it's like, dude. You 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 guys have so much power. Yeah, you have so much power. You just don't understand the power you guys have. Yeah, take yeah. advantage. I of will it. tell you that here. Absolutely, absolutely. I will tell you that here in Sacramento, and I know because I'm in networks of folks who are doing groundwork um, when it comes to Black Lives Matter and other grassroots organizations. 
I will tell you that two years ago, March of 2018, so three years ago now, um, there was a young man who was killed by the police in his mother's backyard. Um, his grandfather is my uncle. He had a cell phone in his hand and they murdered him. They shot him in the back nine times. And the, we galvanized our community and we shut down two NBA games um, where we had enough folks who circled around our entire arena, locked arms, and the people who had the tickets waiting in line, they could not get into the game because we were not moving. I will tell you that the power of that, we stopped that in Sacramento, that is the number one um, economic generator of dollars circulating in our you know community. And we stopped that twice. Millions of dollars from being spent on two consecutive games in a row, we did that, right? And after the first time, Vivek, who's the owner of the Sacramento Kings, he put word out. He was like, I want to know who the organizers are of BLM. I want a meeting with them now. When we did it the second time, we were contacted by the NBA themselves. So like there's power in our voices. There's power in our ability to, to shut down the dollar, right? And to make sure that the economic infrastructure of your community is going to center the voices of those who need it the most. And I will tell you, we, we built an organization that brought in collaborative um energy with other black organizations and we 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 called ourselves build black and we made sure that the local um nba team the kings as well as the nba themselves that they were going to invest in our community and so we now have those working contracts and so now when the nba players that come through sacramento and they are players here in our community they are going to get down they're going to look at our list of nonprofit organizations on our black grassroots organizations and they're going to say i want to do work with you as my you know give back to community and so we have some players here that are just like I won't go to work today. If, if we see that there's a problem going on in our community and we know the power of our community, we better side with that of the community. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. That, um, a lot of players last summer, they, they, they came out, they were, they were, they were out there in yeah. the protests and marching. And, um, so it, it was great, but it was just, to me, it just the kneeling part was just like, dude, just don't kneel. Just, yeah. Cap, yeah, I didn't do yeah. it when Cap did it. Don't do it now. So absolutely. But yeah, like, like I said, there are some players that right now are are real key, are, are and they're realizing their power. So I'm glad that they're, they're 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 taking advantage of that and they're doing what they're supposed to do. But Sonia, hello, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, I'm here. Yeah, but um. This was great. I love. This is what I love to do. I had it, you're amazing, and well, just being you. able to share for just being able to speak to you and 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 get to know a little something about you and what you're doing. And this is what I. This is why I do this. Is so that yeah, people can hear stories like yours and and be like, wow, this this lady's she's doing her thing. She's she's living life and and and. <laughs> and yeah, but and you 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 can see it. You can see it in the way you are, the way you handle yourself. That sure. you're someone who who enjoys who enjoys your life, but at the same time, you you care for people. You you want you want to see yeah. the right thing. You want to see things happen the right way. 
So I, yeah. I, I, I listen. You great. You're awesome, and I commend you for for doing what Why, you're doing. Thank you. I can't help it. You know, I, I tell myself all the time to remember seven year old Sonia who challenged the system and said that she would show up in the second grade and not say the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, the the backstory to that reality and that experience is that um, my dad was a a Vietnam veteran. And when he had come back home from the war, one of the first jobs that he got was um, with one of our local police departments. And he was, it was, he knew that it was going to be a problem because he knew his community. He knew that the black community that he lived in, that there was going to be a lot of work if the department was only willing to hire a few black folks, right? And so he was one of five officers um, that year who integrated the Richmond Police Department and all five of those officers within a two-year period, 18 months to two years, um, were fired for one reason or another. Now, just to, puzzle, just to pose this, my mother, on the other hand, um, was a woman who was very heavily involved in her union and she was um, like Black Power. Um, she had gone to a few um, Black Panther meetings, um, things of that nature. My dad, when he would go to work, was asked, go and spy on those Black Panther meetings. And he was like, oh, I'll go to a meeting because I believe that Black power is important. I know my community and I know that what we're lacking, what I would prefer to do as an officer with your department is actually bring more trust in our community, create ways that we can work together in a with a better dynamic. And because he refused to give intel back to his, you know, um, his um, the officers that were above him, he was fired. He was, um, you know, told that he was in subordination because he they knew that there were plans of insurrections in the black community and he refused to give up the, the information. And so that kind of is the dynamic of, you know, the foundation of who I am as an individual. I had my parents both told me I was the most beautiful little black girl on the face of the earth, that I was smart as, you know, anybody else. And I can do anything that I, you know, um, set my mind to it. And I believed them. Right. And so even though they're, you know, two divorced people and I grew up in two different homes and had two different sets of rules, I still knew that I had support and love from both of my parents. And so seven year old Sonia wasn't afraid of one messing up the status quo at school, but she also felt this sense that both of her parents would support her in anything that she did. And so I'm super, you know, I still listen to seven-year-old Sonia when she tells me, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, questioning whether or not I can show up in a space and be brave, I'm, I always look back and be like, well, shoot, when you were seven, you was brave enough to, you know, challenge that one teacher that was the meanest teacher um, at your school. And I was, I was punished heavily for that. But I say all of that to say that, you know, our ancestors weren't afraid. Um, Harriet Tubman wasn't afraid. Ida B. Wells wasn't afraid. Fannie Lou Hamer wasn't afraid. And these are just a few of the black women that I can look to and say that if they weren't afraid, then what do I got to be afraid of? So I do this work. I show up. You know, I say to some people in community, I'm just that girl that shows up. You know, when there's a problem, Sonia's going to show up, you know, and if there's an issue that I can assist with, I'm going to get to work. But I think that we shouldn't go it alone. My grandmother used to say all the time that we are not an island and we should rely and lean on one another. 
because that's when we get our best work done. Many hands make light work. Yeah. Yep. Makes things easier for everyone when everyone's working together. Absolutely. But Sonia, yeah. thank you. I appreciate you being on. This was awesome. But uh, let people know where they can find you. It's time to, for you to plug away. Yes, yes. Well, my business is Ascribe Educational Consulting. That's A-S-C-R-I-B-E, Educational Consulting. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter um, at Ascribe Success. My website is ascribesuccess.com. So it makes it all easy that it just meshes together. Um, I'm Sonia Lewis on LinkedIn. And I really and truly just love working with folks who are willing to listen. We don't have to have all of the answers. Um, Like I love being in spaces where the majority of folks in the room are white men. Like I, I love being feeling like I have a sense of authority and pride in sharing with them how they can change and be more humane in our community and work on behalf of people who are more who are more marginalized than them and that they can use their privilege to get things done. So that's what, you know, Ascribe is. The book will be out. Fingers crossed. I'm working with editors and illustrators and publishers. It, the launch will be out soon, so I'll definitely send you over that information. But seven-year-old Sonia, seven-year-old kids, our babies, know right from wrong. Their brains are wired. Ask any psychologist that they know and can sense difference. And so we need to listen to them. And I'm so glad that my parents listened to seven-year-old Sonia because they were my biggest supporters. They made sure that I was taken care of in that moment. And so that's who I am. Sonia with an I, Ascribe Educational Consulting is where you can find me. All right. Now it's time for shout outs. Big shout out to my Real Wise family, King Says, Poppy J, Brandy J. Big shout out to my homie, Chrissy Richards from Cypher Knowledge of Chrissy. Big shout out to the boss lady, Fina. I love you, baby. And as always, a big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless you. Be safe. You know how I do it. Your boy Wise is out. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Listen on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and TuneIn. Find us on social media on Twitter at Wise underscore B underscore Blunt. Instagram at Wise underscore B underscore Blunt. And a Facebook fan page, www.facebook slash Stuck In My Mind. Check back soon for new episodes. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.